0: sermon this morning, Are You Ready to Die? As we go through it, I want you to ask yourself that question. In this morning's text, we're going to see a man who had no fear of death. He had no worries of what he would face. He had a bold confidence that what tomorrow holds is the very thing. ...that he has longed for, to see his Lord face to face. And the question this morning is, what about you? Are you prepared to leave this world this morning? Is death something that you fear? Are you confident in whom you have believed? Are you confident in the life that you have lived? Are you confident that you will be one who is found... In Jesus Christ. Are you confident that the righteous judge will declare you righteous. Because you have trusted in the only name under heaven. To which you can be saved. Are you confident in where you are going when you will breathe your last. Some will be like the Apostle Paul here in this text. Very confident. Confident knowing that God is working through them. Confident that they are living the transformed life in Christ. Confident that they they have this blessed hope, this blessed hope of eternal life forever to be with their Lord. Confident in His appearing. Others, not so much. Others won't be confident in these things. And really, this morning, we're going to address two types of people that call themselves Christians. Ones who who will endure to the end, who will keep the faith, who will hold tight to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. One who are living the sanctified life through the power of God the Holy Spirit. And those who will not. Those who will eventually walk away from this faith that they have professed. Those who the Bible say they never really had that saving faith in the first place. Many who will claim to know Christ, but will eventually fade from the truth. They will eventually go after the lie. They will eventually no longer walk in faithfulness or keep with repentance. John tells us, Of these people who did not keep the faith. In 1 John 2.19 it says there. That they went out from us. That is they walked away from the people of God. And they were not of us. For if they had been of us. They would have continued with us. But they went out. That it might become plain. That they are not of us. There is a true difference. Between those who profess faith. And those who actually possess faith. There is such a thing as having a dead faith as opposed to a living faith. This morning as we look at this text, please ask yourself the question, is my faith real? Is it alive? Is it a fruitful faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Jesus, when He spoke of the people He would know and the people He would not know, He said this, that those who were known by Him, those who had true living faith, He said it was these who did the will of My Father who is in heaven. He said of those that He never knew, those who have a dead faith, He called them workers of lawlessness. 2 Corinthians 13.5, the word of God, it tells each and every one of us that we are to examine ourselves. That we are to test ourselves to see whether or not we are in the faith. Paul talked about there that you will either pass the test, and if you have passed the test, test, Christ is in you. And you are living through the power of the Holy Spirit. And you will endure to the end. But he also says there, if you fail the test, that is to say that you are outside of the faith. That you have a dead faith. That your heart is far from God while you might have honored Him with your lips. This morning I I urge you to listen to this sermon and examine your heart. You know, those people in Matthew 7, who Christ said, depart from me, I never knew you, were people that called themselves Christians. They were people that professed to know Christ and to know Him well. But they did not know Him. Instead, they lived a life of lawlessness. And He said, depart from me. So this morning, please, examine your heart. To fail the test is truly a fearful thing. God has made it clear, all who are outside of Christ will have their part in the lake that burns with fire. There is absolutely no neutrality. You are either in Christ, or receive the just sentence for your sin, that, that lake that burns with fire. This text this morning, I want you to examine your heart. This text this morning, it's about the Apostle Paul. He wrote it to his dear young Timothy. He writes this, what has been called his last will and testament. Remember, he writes this from a prison cell. He writes this suffering for the gospel of Jesus Christ. He waits. He writes this awaiting his imminent death. He knew death was upon him. And he also knew that he had accomplished all that God had willed him to do. Jesus had called the Apostle Paul to a very specific mission. And this mission was coming to a close. He was called to be God's servant, to be a witness for the Lord. And Jesus, He tells us what this mission was in Acts 26, 17. Paul's mission was to the Gentiles, to the world... Jesus sent him saying this, I'm sending you to the Gentiles to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive the forgiveness of sins and place among the sanctified by faith in me. This was the Apostle Paul's mission given to him directly from Jesus Christ. But his time had come. He was at the end. He was to pass this torch on. His time was up. In verse 6, he says, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. The drink offering was a part of the sacrificial system in the Hebrew Scriptures. John MacArthur commented on this verse saying, A drink offering in the Old Testament sacrificial system... This was the final offering that followed the burnt and grain offerings prescribed for the people of Israel. So what is Paul saying? He's saying that his death is coming and that he is about ready to give his final offering to God in a life that had already given God many, many sacrifices. Paul, he lived his very life as a living sacrifice to the Lord. And it was time that he would be fully and finally poured out. See, the Apostle Paul, he knew what Christ had done for him. He was willing to give it all away, all of his own desires in life. He gave them all up for the one who paid it all for him. And his story was coming to a close. There's another note here about verse 6. You know, Paul, he wrote this in such a way that states that someone else was doing this to him. Implying that it was God who was taking his life from him. He's pointing to the sovereign hand of God. He knows that God is the one who has determined His days. And God was the one that says, Paul, on this day you will breathe your last. Paul knows in writing this verse, it is God who has determined His days. It is God who says if we will live today or die tomorrow. It is God who is the one who gives us breath And he is the one who is telling the Apostle Paul here that his time was up. You know, the Apostle would eventually be killed by the Romans. But Paul, he knew that nothing could ever happen to him unless first God allowed it. Paul had done the work. He had done everything that the Lord had called him to. And he knew now the only thing left was for him To die. From this verse 6, I want to ask you the question this morning. Have you lived like the Apostle Paul? Have you given your life away for Jesus Christ? And really, this should be the heart of every born again believer. Have you realized the great depth of your own sin? Have you realized the great debt that you have to God that has been forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ? Have you realized all that Jesus Christ did for you? Have you realized that Christ, He took your wrath that you deserved today? I want to ask you the question, do you cherish Him? Do you love Him? Over and over again in the New Testament, it says of those who love Christ, that they will give it all away for Him. That this becomes their life desire to do His will. For those who realize what they have received in Christ, the Scriptures declare that we will then live in a way that shows Him that we appreciate it. Jesus, He made this clear. I want you to listen closely to His words this morning about discipleship, about those who would call themselves disciples of Christ. His words should really be shocking to us. He said in Luke 1426, he says, If anyone comes after me, and does not hate his own father, and mother, and wife, and children, and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. In Luke 1427, he says, Whoever does not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. He says in Luke fourteen thirty three. he says, So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. These aren't my words. These are the words of Jesus Christ. I want you to hear what he's saying there. He's not saying that we should hate our families. But what he is saying is that our love for him should be so great. Our devotion to him should be so astounding that it would look like hate by comparison for our families. He also is saying in here that we are to pick up our cross That is to die to yourself. And you know, every single first century hearer of this would know the stark reality of what that meant. Crucifixion was horrific. It was horrifying. And we've made this this statement. We've watered this down so much. You can hear it in our culture, people saying, oh, this is my cross to bear. We have no idea. We say it so flippantly. But when Christ said this to his disciples, there was most likely utter shock on their eyes. He's basically saying, suffer the most imaginable death to yourself and come after me. Die to you. That seems so different than our modern Christianity, right? That's all about us. It's all about what we want in life. But what Christ said, He's saying renounce all that you are. Renounce everything in your life and follow after Me. And He says if anyone's not willing to do it, they cannot be My disciple. What's the heart of this? God, Your will, not My will. God, this isn't My kingdom, it's Your kingdom. God, I want You to be glorified. This is nothing in my hands I bring. Simply to the cross I cling. I know I've been saved by the grace of God. I don't even deserve to live. And all I want to do from here on is to serve Christ and see Him glorified. This is what He has called us to in discipleship. And this should be the heart of the believer. We see it in the Apostle Paul's life. We see this renunciation of his own life. In 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1, he said to imitate him as he imitates Christ. So as we look to his example, we should follow suit. In the book of Philippians, chapter 3, there the Apostle Paul, he lays out all of his accomplishments in life. He lays out his amazing work as a Jew, as a Hebrew of Hebrews. But he says this in verse 7. Whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake, I have suffered the loss of all. And I count them as rubbish as a grown man, his entire life, he is saying, I am counting it as rubbish. It's meaningless to me. And what's he finally say? He says, in order that I may gain Christ. Is there anything in this world more important than gaining Jesus Christ? I promise you that there is not... God has called each and every one of us to do the same. And this is to be the heart of a believer. Romans 12.1, it's really the heart of that verse. It's, it's there that the Apostle Paul, he appealed to us, that therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Before we move on, in light of this verse 6, I want to ask you this question. Have you, like the Apostle Paul, surrendered all to Jesus Christ? Is He your King? Is He your Lord? Is He your Master? Is the greatest thought that you can think of in all of your life serving Him, seeing Him glorified, and that everyone would praise His name? Or is your desire for yourself? And I get it as Americans, this is tough. We love our comforts. We love our own kingdom. We love building up what we want in this life. And it's hard to give it all away for Christ Jesus. To have such a heart that says, Lord, take it all. There's nothing in my life that would stand In the way of me serving you. Like the Apostle Paul. God I want to be poured out. As a drink offering to you. Take my life. Let it be. Consecrated to thee. Have you counted all things in this world. As rubbish, in order that you may gain Christ Jesus. There is nothing more valuable than Him. In verse 7, Paul says of his life that he has fought the good fight. He says that he has finished the race, or he's finished the course. He says there that he has kept the faith. Paul has completed his journey. He can say with the utmost confidence that he has has fought, and he has finished, and he has kept the faith. Paul, he devoted himself to the pursuit of God's work. At the end of his life, everyone is talking about all that Paul accomplished for God. They're not talking about how awesome his house is. Or how, much, how many clothes he has. Or how many vehicles he has. Whatever those vehicles would be. <laughs> They're not talking about his earthly possessions. Because believe me, he had nothing. He's in a prison cell. But you know what? We're still talking about the Apostle Paul to this day. Because he gave his life fully to Christ. He gave up all of his own desires and pursuits so that he may pursue what Christ wanted him to. He describes the Christian life as a fight. He describes the Christian as a soldier who is enlisted in God's army. You know, Paul... He struggled, not only against the flesh, but he also fought against the enemies of God. Not only did he fight a personal battle within himself, but he also waged war against the enemies of the church of God. He waged a war against those who would teach lies. He waged a war against those who would twist the truth of God's word. Paul was a battle-hardened, faithful soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was a man of courage, a man of conviction, a man who fought the good fight. He also describes this Christian life as a race. But it's not a sprint. This isn't a hundred yard dash, it's it's a marathon. It's a marathon that... God has given the endurance to run until the end. And that's what you see in the Apostle Paul's life. That he had the endurance to finish the race. To cross that finish line. And it it wasn't to win the race. Because ultimately it's not a competition. Everyone that gets to that finish line wins. But his desire was to make it to the end. He says of at the end of verse seven that he has kept the faith. It can be hard for us to understand the meaning of this verse in the English language, and it really it is a there is a different meaning to it than when we first read it. Faith here speaks of the core doctrines of the Christian truths, or the teachings of Christianity. Or uh, in other words, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the truth that is the most important, the first matters, the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, or the content of our beliefs. It says here that Paul has kept them. The word kept, it can be translated as guarded or preserved. He has preserved the faith or he has guarded the gospel of Jesus Christ. This refers to Paul's faithfulness to his call as an apostle. He preserved the gospel against all attacks. This man fought for the truth of God's word. He exposed the lies. You know, as you read through the New Testament, you know what you're going to see? This. That over and over again, the apostle Paul, his letters, they were written to defend the truth. They were written because of errors in the in the church. They were written to expose the lies. The apostle Paul, he contended for the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He waged the war against error, against lies, against the attacks of the wolves, wolves who would devour the sheep he had preserved the gospel. The Apostle Paul, he didn't buy the lie, he did not swerve to the left or to the right. He remained steadfast in the work that God had called him to, to guard the faith. Some might say here in verse 7, it sounds like the Apostle Paul, he's bragging. It sounds here like the Apostle Paul, he's boasting in himself. That this seems to be all about him. But I just want to tell you this morning, this is far from the case. The Apostle is a man who knows that he has been saved by the grace of God alone. He knows that he is what he is because of the grace of God, and it's nothing of what he has done. He knows that he's fought well, he's raced well, and he's guarded this faith well because of what God has done in him. And if you were to ask him face to face, he would give all credit to where credit is due. He would say, I'm the wretch the song refers to. Probably not, because it hadn't been written yet. And he says, I am what I am because of God and nothing more. He actually said that in 1 Corinthians 15. He said, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Though it was not I, taking no credit for himself, but the grace of God within me. You know, on that last day when we stand before God and we are those who are found in Christ, we will get no credit for the good we've done. Those righteous actions that are rewarded on that last day will be rewarded because of the work of the grace of God in our life. And that's what the Apostle Paul testifies to. What we see here in verse 7 is the struggle of the Christian faith. The struggle against God's enemies. The struggle against sin. The struggle against lies. There's a struggle to remain faithful. There's a struggle to sanctification. It is a battle. It's a striving towards eternity. To live as a Christian is to be a soldier in God's army. It is to be an athlete who is disciplined. It is to be one who guards the truth. It has been said, and I believe it to be absolutely true, if there is no battle in your life, then there is no faith in your life. As a Christian, there should be a fight in your life. There is an enemy out there that wants to devour your faith. And if you're not feeling the attacks of this world, if you're not fighting against the lie, if you're not disciplining yourself like an athlete that's running a race, then I would be very worried. It's also been said that the greatest evidence of saving faith in someone's life is the battle against sin. It's the striving to keep the faith. It's the battle against the flesh. We should be very worried if we can just go into sin and not even worry about it. If we can just love the world and have absolutely no conviction over it. This is a battle. And every Christian, by biblical truth, is enlisted in it. If you are his, there should be a battle against sin in your life. A battle for the truth in your life. A battle against the prince of the power of the air in your life. A battle against the lies. A battle not to fall away. A battle to hate the lie, but to love the truth. There's a saying... It says, it's always easier for us to remember what we shouldn't and forget what we should. It is a battle to reject the lie and to love the truth. I must ask you this question this morning before we move to verse 8: Is this you? Do you feel the intensity of the fight that is right in front of you? The more you grow in Christ, the harder it's going to be in this life. Think about the Apostle Paul. He is in prison. He's suffering for Christ's sake. The more faithful you are, the harder it's going to get. The closer you grow in holiness to the Lord, the harder your life will be. Do you know of this fight? It's right in front of you. Is there a struggle in your life? Can you say with confidence. Like the apostle Paul. Hey I'm fighting. I'm running. I'm guarding. This is what he said. And I'm going to tell you this morning. There is great reason for concern. If there is no battle in your life. Let's look to verse 8. Paul says as a result of this work, of his service to the Lord, that there is for him a reward in heaven. And he calls that reward a crown of righteousness. As I came to this text this morning, it, it truly was an astonishing fact, and I want to I explain that to you here. God, he saves the guilty sinner. He saves you and me. And because of our sin, because of our rebellion against Him, we deserve only His judgment. But He saves the people purely by His grace, His undeserved favor towards sinners. And He saves us by all that He has done. The perfect work of Jesus Christ on the cross, nothing we could do. Nothing we can add to that work. It is all by Christ. He takes those who could do nothing to save themselves, and He saves them. And this is a wondrous work of the Holy Spirit inside of men's hearts, women's hearts, that are far from God. What the Bible teaches us over and over again is that God does it all. And not only that, it says that He who started a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. Even our sanctification is by the work of God in our life. That He's working in us. He's the one that's empowering us for good works. He is the one that is preserving us in the faith. He is the one that is empowering us to do His will. He does all this. And when you get to heaven, the author of your salvation that has poured out on you, pure grace will then reward you. He did it all. Then he's going to reward sinners. It should be astonishing to us. Wow. How could it be that God would take a sinner like me and give me a reward? God, reward enough for all of eternity is not to be in your everlasting hell. But you're going to take a wretch like me? I didn't do anything, you did it all. And you're going to bestow reward on this sinner. It is amazing to think about. God is going to continually give what we do not deserve. For all of eternity, He's going to continually pour out his grace on us. That's amazing. That's amazing grace. Paul says of his reward in verse 8 that it's a crown of righteousness. This crown, Wayne Grudem, he says that this was a reward for righteousness or it was the victor's crown. That this is what you receive for finishing that race. We see throughout the New Testament that those who persevere in Christ will receive reward in heaven for those who God has started a good work in, for those who God is working in both to will and to work for His good pleasure, when you see Him on that last day, He will reward all those who have remained in Him with a crown of righteousness. Paul in verse 8, he finishes that verse by saying, not only me, but also to all who loved his appearing, not only to him, but to all who loved his appearing. Titus two thirteen, this appearing there, it's called our blessed hope. For all of us, this should be our blessed hope, loving his appearing. Charles Spurgeon he commented on this verse, stating this. The Apostle Paul seems then to be distinguishing a mark of a true child of God. That true child of God, he loves the appearing of Christ. Now, there are some professors who never think of the second advent at all. They never give them the slightest joy to believe that Jesus, the King, will come. To take his people to their eternal home. Truly, those who do not love his appearance are mistaken and are surely wrong. For was this not the very comfort that Christ gave his disciples? If I go away, I will come again and receive you unto myself. For where I am, there you will be also. And so this is the last question of this morning's sermon. Do you long to see Christ? Do you long to see his appearing? Do you long to see your precious Lord? You should. It's the heart of a believer. If you don't want to see your Lord, there's something wrong. If you're not hoping in your future with Christ, there is something wrong. When Jesus left His disciples, this is what He gave them. Their hearts were troubled. This was the truth that He gave them. You know, eventually you're gonna die for your faith. How did He prepare them? You're gonna see me again. You're gonna be with me. For eternity. This was their comfort. Their comfort was that Christ was coming again. Paul, the apostle, he was ready to meet his maker. And I'm going to tell you this morning, he wasn't ready for the wrong reasons. He was ready because he knew his service to God was over. He longed and loved the idea... Of seeing his Savior face to face. But he was also content with being on this earth. As long as the Lord would have him. And I want to ask you this morning, is this your heart? For Paul, to live was Christ. To live was to be in service to him. To live was to be living for his glory. And the Apostle Paul said, but to die was gain. To die was a blessed hope for the Apostle Paul. It was a blessed hope that he would finally and forevermore be with his Lord. I want to say that sometimes we lose sight of service to God. We lose sight of living for his glory. And because life is hard, because we suffer much in this life, we just want to go on to be with the Lord. But ultimately, we're not really longing to see him. We're longing to be freed from the struggles of this life. Spurgeon. He, he also commented on, on this desire. Saying this. They want to go home. Not so much. For the Savior's company. As to be at rest. Now it is quite right. To desire to depart. If we can do it. With the same spirit. As the Apostle Paul. Because to be with Christ is far better. But to wish to escape from trouble is a selfish one. Rather, let your care be in this life to wish to glorify God no matter what. By your life, glorify God. Glorify Him even in the midst... Of toil and conflict and suffering. And leave it to Him to say when you've had enough. This is where I want to finish this morning. When will God say to you, it is enough? The Scriptures declare that we do not know the day or hour. Psalm 103, verse 15, it says this about man. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower on the field. For the wind passes over it, and it's gone. And its place knows it no more. James 4.14, he said this, Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Hear me today. You have no idea when you will leave this earth. You do not know when God will take your last breath from you. Will you, like the Apostle Paul, be prepared for death? Are you confident that you will be right with God when He takes your last breath? Do you know the Lord this morning? And as we started this sermon, are you known by the Lord this morning? You know, before I was a Christian, I hated the idea of going to heaven. I wanted to live my life. I had lots of plans. My heart's desire was for all that this world had to offer. And this idea of having my life taken from me, it is something that I despised. As a Christian, there is no greater thing that I look forward to than seeing my Lord. Are you like the Apostle Paul this morning? Do you love The idea of His appearing. You know why I hated it? Because I wasn't right with God. Because I was in love with sin. I was in love with this world around me. I didn't want to see God face to face. I knew in my heart of hearts that it would be a fearful day, that day of the Lord. That's the last thing on earth I wanted. I want to ask you this morning is this you? Are you scared of death? Are you scared of what you will face on that last day? Are you scared of seeing Jesus Christ? I want to urge you today to turn to Christ and live. Turn to Christ and have your fears melted away. don't take one moment to leave this building if you are not right with God. That's why I started this sermon to say that I wanted you to test yourself to see whether or not you are in the faith. I wanted you to examine your life to see whether or not your faith was true. Because you do not know the day or the hour. If you do not know the Lord today, do not risk leaving those doors. Do not get in a car. Do not leave. Turn to Christ right now, and live. Approximately 6,316 people die every hour. Those numbers are staggering. Approximately 151,000 people die every day. That is shocking. We live, literally live life thinking we will have an eternity in front of us. But please, know Christ today and live. Turn to him where you are. Confess your life of sin to him. Trust in Christ alone to save you. Quit trusting in yourself and trust in Jesus and live.